but choices. We have choices. And this morning I want to talk about that. Uh, our choices that we get. And uh, to a great extent, our choices determine so much in our lives. And um, so I want to take us back to creation. Let's start the story right at the beginning. Um, and before I do that, it's like there are a couple of concepts. In the beginning, God made the, the heavens and the sky, and He made light. He said, Let there be light. And then He separated light from darkness. And God said, The light was good. But He. Very first little bit of the Bible, there's a concept that comes in of darkness and light, and that light is good. And and then the next concept that comes into that a little bit later is that there could be blessing. But then, unfortunately, there also comes in the concept of there could be cursing. There could be a curse, blessing and curse. Uh, there could be life. That God created, but then there could be death came into the world. And it's quite a big concept, isn't it? So, what is a blessing? What's the definition of blessing? So, the blessing of God is being in a favored standing with God. How's that? That's the definition of blessing, that God favors you. timer <laughs> that's for your sake 30 seconds will be good later on <laughs> so a blessing being in a favorable standing with God what an incredible place to be in that the maker of the universe the, the God that said let there be light and there was light right that you could be in a favorable standing with him, that he could look on you and that he could wish you well. I mean, with a couple of words, you made the universe and he could wish you well. That incredible place. And then what is a curse? Just define that. So here's one definition that I found. A curse is not only speaking evil of someone, although that's a small bit of it. Like speaking evil of someone could be a curse. Evil is coming when but when evil is coming on somebody that is a curse this doesn't sound nice isn't it the favor of God sounded great but what where am I going now so we, we speak about a person is under a curse right so it means that evil Nathan would say bad stuff has somehow attached itself to a person in some way and it brings about trage- tragedy sickness, bad circumstances and, and those things start happening in your life and that's living under a curse that doesn't sound as much fun as being in the favor of, of the creator is it um, I would rather be in the favor of God than living under a curse you? Huh? favor of God, what, what do you choose? Hey. So there's a choice right now. Like, what do you choose? I, I choose life, right? Okay. So, 
let's go back to creation. What is the way God made creation? Have you got it? No, just running, counting up. cut those parts out. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you can start again here. Right. <laughs> so God created, uh, God created the heaven and the earth, right? The creation story. So God didn't create anything bad. He made light. He made the heaven and earth. He separated. And every time that he stopped, he would say, these words and God saw what he had made and he said that it was good it was good and he kept on saying that the earth the animals the plants he made every single thing and then he said this is good nothing was bad nothing had evil attached to it everything was in his favor and then he made us right so let's read that. That's Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that crawls upon the earth. So God created man and then he said he blessed them how incredible he didn't bless anything else he made everything he said it was good he did not bless it he blessed us it's the first thing he blesses he says he blessed us he spoke a blessing over us he said you are in my good favor we were we started off there that's where we started. And then we had a couple of choices. So Adam and Eve had a choice. And God gave them a choice. Why did he give them a choice? Oh, to give them freedom. So he gave them freedom of choice. And the choice was go under God, stay in his blessing, believe that God has the best intention for you, that being in his blessing, being in his favor is a good place to be. Or, the other choice was eat of this tree, which I said don't eat of. What does that mean? And it actually speaks of being disobedient. Be disobedient to God was the other choice. The other choice was, actually I'm going to take my own will, God, and I'm going to assert that above your will for me. So instead of aligning me to God's plan, I'm going to have my own plan. I want to be autonomous. And there, Adam sins, and he separates himself from God's blessing. He steps out under the blessing of God, and for the very first time, evil and death comes into the world. So, all of a sudden, cursing happens. So, and actually the bad things are now said. So we read in Genesis that there's a curse on man and on nature. That it will now have thorns and thistles. That women would have children 
and kind. That's what we plant wants us to grow. That wants us to always rain. Like, we'd love some rain now, but things are not just going to go as well as it could have. The sad part is it was a choice. We had a choice. And we made the wrong one. Huh? Do you think, what do you think? I think Eve made a mistake. I think Adam made a mistake because he should have led Eve better. He should have. Because here's the thing. Satan comes to, little side note. Satan comes to Eve and says the following. Did God really say? That's how he tempts her. He goes, did God really say that you should not eat from this tree? Are you not mistaken? Now, if you walk out this morning and somebody says that I said the sky is purple or whatever, then, and I didn't say it, then you'd say, no, 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 I was there. He didn't say that. Right? So could somebody come and say, but did Darby really say this? If you were here. Well, you would know what I said, wouldn't you? So it would be easy. You're our first-hand witnesses of today. So nobody can confuse you by saying that, did I really say this or did I really say that? So this is a possibility. I'm not saying this is it because the Bible's not clear on this. But God told Adam some things. He said, Adam, you must rule and reign. Adam, you can't eat from that tree. And then Adam told Eve what God had said. And Satan comes to Eve and says, did God really say, or was Adam mistaken? And it's the leadership of Adam that's not in place. So, guys... We like to point out to the woman, so it's Eve's fault, not Adam's fault. He should have led. He should have been there. It says, Eve saw the fruit. She saw that it was good. She ate of it and she turned around to her husband and gave it to him. Where was he? Right behind her. Not leading. What was he doing behind Eve? He should have been in front. Guys? So the back stops. Yeah. That's free. So sin entered the world through Adam not leading and making bad decisions. Did God really say it? All we need is doubt and we go the wrong way. So how how do we recover from that? Because I'd love to recover. I don't want to stay in that place where things don't work well. So here is uh, let me let me just go on a side note. Um, Everything that happens that is bad is not necessarily the curse of God, right? Or a curse that has attached itself to you. I just want to bring a balance to the, the concept of a curse. Because if I drive with my car and I have a flat tire, maybe I should have put new tires on my car. It's not a curse, right? It's a bad decision. Um, maybe I get a flat tire, it's a new tire. Uh, and I get a flat tire. It's not necessarily a curse. It's part of that big thing that the world has fallen. So it's part of that curse. 
but there's no specific incantation that somebody has done and placed a curse on my car or on me. It's not search for like a curse. Like uh, I just want to bring a balance there. If something bad happens, nature has fallen. So things decay around us. I had to fix the tiles in my house recently because my house is 60 years old and the tiles cracked and moved and shifted if I don't look after the house that God has given me it'll go to ruins that's the natural order of things that we live in now it's not because somebody cursed the house it's just nature decays right just as a balance so what was God's plan because on our own, we're stuck. We're stuck in that place. We're stuck under, uh, under a curse. We can't get out anymore. We can't have fellowship with God. We can't regain His favor. But the only way we're going to get back there is if God helps. Right. So God steps in right at the beginning and He says, Listen, I have a plan. And my plan is I will fix it. So He says, Hold. I will fix it. I'm promising that I will fix it. In Genesis, immediately he says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to put a placeholder in place for now so that you can make better choices. I'm going to give you choices again. And God redeems Adam and Eve. So he sacrifices animals. He clothes them with the skin. First animals, or possibly they died, for them to get clothes. They put plants on themselves to hide themselves. God put skin of an animal over them. He had to kill an animal to cover their sin. And right there, to me, it seems sacrifice comes into the world. Where God says, actually, you should die right now, but I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to kill blood is shed. And I'm clothing you so that you now you're covered. Right. So God covers us. And then he says, but you know, the animal can't take my place. So it's not high enough price. It, I need to die. Because that's, that's, the, that's the result now. Death has entered the world. So God goes, but the animals just point. I'm pointing towards something that I'm going to do later. So what does God do? Well, we read through the Bible and we get to he he brings he brings a man into place the plan right and who's that man Abram and Abram and Sarah is the man that God brings brings into the plan ah you went too far <laughs> down the story we're still stuck in the Old Testament <laughs> Abram and Sarah is brought into the plan. And God says to Abram, I'm gonna I'm gonna bless everybody again through you. And there's God's blessing again. Huh? God says, I know you've chosen wrong. And before Abram a lot of people chose wrong things and this other stuff. But in Abram God goes, Through you all nations will be blessed. Wow. God just wants to bless us all the time. He wants to put us in a place where He can favor us. 
and he gives us choices the whole time so that we can choose him. And then through Abram, there's a whole nation that comes into place. And that's the nation of Israel, right? And the whole idea here is that through them, all nations should be led to God. So God gives them the law. He gives them rules. He, he speaks to them. And he's, his plan is, guys, reach out to the nations of the world. But they go, we find a good thing. We've got a better God than you. We're going to keep it to ourselves. Oof. And that's what we do. We get good things, we keep it to ourselves. Right? The first rule of prosperity is don't tell anybody. Because then everybody's going to do it, and then you just average. Right? If you find the, the secret of making lots of money, and you tell everybody, then, well, then everybody's got lots, and then everybody again is equal. So first rule of great wealth is keep it keep it to yourself that's not a godly principle God gives so that we can give we should be conduits, God throws in and it should just run through the pipe, right, like water coming to us through a pipe from that Dusseldorf. what if the pipe says, I'm keeping this close the valves water staying in the pipe I love water in my pipe right but in time, that water will go rancid and off. Right. If it needs to stay fresh, you open the valves, the water runs through the pipe, and the pipe stays fresh and wet and always has water and delivers the blessing elsewhere. So God blesses us so that we can bless others. That's also free was in my nature. So... That's, the, that's why we get blessing. So, the world has a chance. Abram and Sarah create a nation to bless people. So, through them and through their descendants, all people will be blessed. But, what do we see? So, read through Kings 1 and 2, Samuel in the Old Testament. What do you see? Well, Israel goes, we don't want to follow you, God. We want a king. God goes, I am your king. He said, no, we want to see our king. God says, it's a bad idea. Samuel tell the people, bad idea. They go, we don't care. We want a king. Go read that story. God says, the king will be like the kings around you. He will be unfair. He will rule over you. He will tax you. He will seek his own prosperity and gain. He will not be beneficial. We want the king. Israel chooses wrong. They could have God as their king. They go, no, we want Saul. He looks better. Saul becomes king. He does all those things that God wants. And then you can read through kings. Very few of those kings are good kings. One or two three or four maybe but in generations Israel is ruled by bad kings actually one of those kings crucified Jesus under his rule actually he first tried to kill him when he was a baby that's what the king does that they asked for wrong choices and you see Israel being God tries to correct them he gives them a, time, a chance every time if you read the story 
It's a story of people making, getting a choice, choosing wrong, and God bringing them back with love and direction and discipline sometimes. And then, because we don't listen, so that's where discipline comes in. It's, it's if your hand didn't get, didn't, didn't get blistered and, and, and experience pain, if you put it on a hot stove, what would you do? You'd leave it there. Would that be good for you? So that's the concept of pain, of discipline. It's good for you. So that if you touch something on you, go like, whoa, you know. And then you do that again, and you learn. Right? And that's God disciplines those that he loves. And he brings Israel back all the time. And then I choose wrong again. Over and over and over again. You see the story of how they choose wrong. And we we read that, right? And I've read it and I've thought, she's not us. <laughs> Come on. Isn't hindsight 2020? You look at it and you go, but they could clearly see that if they chose well, this king followed God and he lived for 60 years and it was well in the kingdom of God, of Israel, and everything was great and it rained and there was fruit and everybody's happy. And then he died and he was buried with his fathers. And the next king, his son, came into rule and his nephew killed him and he got to the throne and then he was not following God. And he only ruled for three years and it was horrible in those three years. And then he was killed by some family member and then the next family member ruled and he did not follow God and it was even worse. And then oh, this guy became king and he was 12 years old. What was his name? He, um, that ruled very early. Jehoshaphat was a good king, wasn't he? Can't remember. Didn't read those parts. And anyway, he, he comes to, like there's a king that comes to rule early on and he goes, I'm going to follow God. And then it says, and he ruled for 50 years and it was great in the kingdom while he ruled and everybody loved one another and it rained and there was food and the enemies left and then again the next guy comes in and he did not follow God guess what off to Babylon you go and you go but how is this possible how can they not see it it is so blatant well surprise we do exactly the same thing I was born into a household that followed God I was, my grandfather was the Dutch Reform Minister of the Rist. My mom followed God from when she was three years old. And there's blessing in her life. And then I am born. Right. And my brother followed God early on. And my sister did. Who were older than me. I had all those examples. And it was well in our land. And then I got to be 16. And I was going to become a Dutch Reform Minister like my grandfather before me. Because I loved God. And when I was 16, I decided that surfing is more fun. And maybe I should smoke. And then I did not follow God. And then my life went absolutely horrid. I was very unhappy. What did I do? 
I decided maybe I should drink. Maybe that'll help. So then I started drinking. And what happened? Well, I failed my university first year while her dad was praying for me. <laughs> for salvation. Rightfully so. And my life was horrible. But you'd think I would make better decisions. No. I, I, I had, was faced with the decision. So what did I do? I decided I will go to the army and I'll become a sniper and I'll kill people because I don't like people anyway. Right. Great decision. Go. You're just going the right way. Uh, am I not? But God. But God. And all along that route of my life, I had decisions to make. And I always chose wrong. But I look at Israel and go like, what's wrong with them? It's like, what's wrong with me? That's what we do. And if you look back on your life, and you're honest with yourself, you can go, you know, yeah, that was not a good decision. And you can see the fruit. I often hear this thing said, that... The road to heaven is narrow and hard. And the road to hell is wide and easy. That's not quoted correctly. The Bible does not teach that. Uh, there's a little drawing here. It's somewhere. I thought. Maybe it's in the foyer. It was taken off. There used to be a drawing of the narrow road and the wide road. Actually, incorrect. So, here's what it says. It says... That the road to heaven, the entrance to the road that leads to heaven is narrow and hard to find. The entrance to the world is just you're already on it. If you don't find the entrance, you will find the entrance to the road that leads to heaven, that leads to the kingdom of God. It is not a difficult road to walk on. It's the easier road. It's the road where you don't crash your mom's car when you drunk and almost kill your friends and leave them with permanent backache. No, I did that. It's the road where you don't smoke and damage your lungs. It's the road where you don't break your knee skiing under the influence. Huh? And now you can't run as far as you would like to. That, that road doesn't sound all of a sudden like such, such an easy road to walk on. The one where you break your knee. The one where you roll the car. The one where you actually follow God's rule. Where you're actually inside His will. That is the easy road. That's the road of living and choosing to live in God's favor, His blessing. And what I'm trying to show you is that you have a choice. Every single day when you wake up. So yeah, let's read some more scripture. It says, well, it says Deuteronomy 30. This is still Old Testament. God says this about his people. He says, he gives them rules. He gives them some decisions to make. And he says, I set before you a choice, life and death. Blessing and curse. And then he gives you a little hint. He says, choose life. If you were wondering which one is the right one to choose, God goes, 
She's life. She turned me 30. Yeah, says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. So we feel we're wondering what choice we should make. God gives us a hint. But we have a choice. It's a hard choice sometimes. It seems difficult. So God had another plan to make it even easier. Because you saw, you know, Israel's not getting this right. They were sacrificing animals. They were doing it. But he, it's not a new plan. He had this plan from the very beginning. So another man enters the story. And that's Jesus. So Jesus enters the story. And he lives perfectly. He makes every right choice. Imagine that. Imagine having that having Jesus for a son. Every single thing he does in his entire life, he does right. He chooses God every time. Now I wonder if he ever, he was a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter. Did he ever like hit his finger with a hammer? Right? My kids know I shot a nail through my finger some time ago with a nail gun. I was really sore. Very funny. <laughs> I was demonstrating how you shouldn't do it. <laughs> and I, it was a very good demonstration. <laughs> Practically, how you should not do it is don't end up with a nail right through the bone of your finger. But I instantaneously had a choice to make. I could say some words which wouldn't help. We'd probably just be a bad example to my kids. Or not. Now, I'm going to tell you that actually that choice was made many, many years before that. It was made the year after I was at varsity, was to follow God. And I started following God, and I had followed God for more than 20 years by the time I shot a nail to my finger. So my instinctive reaction was, Ow! How did I do that? How did that choice in that instant become a no choice for God? Well, actually, it's all the choices I made before. Makes a hard choice easy. And that's the road of sanctification. So, Jesus comes into the world and he wants to make it easy. Because without Jesus, I promise you, it wouldn't have been our. So, Romans 5, we see that through one man enters, enters sin into the world. Adam. And then through one man, what comes into the world? Justification. And through what? His obedience comes life. Yo. Through disobedience came death. And cursing. Right? And Jesus comes and he says, through his death comes justification. Justification means that even though I have done wrong, God justifies me and says, your sin can be forgiven and I can become justified. And that brings life. 
Jesus brings life again into the world. And he conquers death and sin. So now it's conquered. Now, here's the bad news. We have less reason than Israel had not to get it right. So they were looked at as a nation. We are looked at as individuals. And we have it easier. Once we come to the cross, once we come to Jesus, and we submit to God, and the Holy Spirit fills you, it is easier to make the right choice. And there is a scripture, and I actually don't know where it is. I must find it. That says that through right choices, choosing right becomes easier. It says, as you choose the right thing, in small things, the next choice to choose right is easier. Or the reverse. Every time you choose wrong, it becomes easier to go the wrong road. So it's those little things that we have to choose right that makes the big things possible, or the impossible possible. But we have choice. First choice is choose Jesus. That's the very first choice. We have to come to, to the cross. And we have to acknowledge that I have fallen short. I have made the wrong choices. And now I put that on Jesus. And that's okay. You know that in school if you do the wrong thing or in life, it's not a good thing to blame somebody else. <laughs> own up to your own thing. Right? He did that. Right? And then you go like and this is ha, I didn't get caught actually that's not a good thing in life except when you realize that you've fallen short of God's glory God says put it on Jesus that is the right thing to do bring it into the light confess your sins and God is true to forgive it why? because he made a way. Jesus paid for it. You must just cash it in. You need to bring it to God. He then gives you the Holy Spirit, and then you don't have to do the wrong thing again. We can actually then choose right. That we call sanctification. Is a big word. Sanctification is that process where you give your life to the Lord, and you still have some bad habits. And the Holy Spirit will show them to you. And as you choose the right road the whole time, you get more and more sanctified. So you stop saying bad words. You stop smoking was easy for me. Snake. Drinking, easy. I drank because I was unhappy. So the moment I met God, I was happy. So I didn't have to get drunk anymore. It makes the choice easier. Right. So, we have a choice. Here's a, one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, and it says, uh, it's also an Old Testament still. It's the blessing that God said the priests must give, must pronounce over his people. So, it, yes, it was for Israel. I believe 
I'm right to say that it could be for us. So, there's a blessing that God wants us to speak out over one another. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. It's huge, huh? Just that little sentence. The Lord bless you and keep you. He makes his face shine upon you. That light that he made in the beginning. He goes, let there be lights. And he saw that it was good. Make his face shine upon you. His light. And be gracious to you. I want God to be gracious towards me. I need God to be gracious towards me. Because I still make many mistakes. I still choose wrong. Often. So without God being gracious, I'm in trouble. The Lord turn his face toward you. It means that God's face could be turned away from us. Right? I want God to look at me. I want God to see me. Right? Word we had this morning from the Holy Spirit speak to us. Is God wants to see you. God sees you. His face turned towards you. It's a blessing. And give you peace. Peace of mind. Contentment is another word for that peace. Being content with where I am now. How, how do I, what drives contentment or peace? For me, I have found it to be found in God's will. When you know that you know that you're exactly where God wants you to be, it's easy to be content with whatever is surrounding you. That is God giving you peace. God granting you to hear His voice, to follow Him, so that you're found in His will. So that the choices that you make lead you into that place where God is. I said before you a choice, life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. And then, just to bring it in, what we say for a landing. Yeah. What did Jesus say? What did God say when he was here? So Jesus prayed a prayer over us just before he left. This was after he was resurrected. He prayed a prayer. He says, my prayer, John 17, says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Protected from the curse. Protected from evil attaching itself to me and wreaking havoc, havoc and destruction and sickness and tragedy in my life. Right? Protection from cursing. Jesus asked for that. Protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. So if I come to Jesus, I leave the planet. Cool, isn't it? I become an alien. I'm not from this world. Yes? That's the very definition of alien. I become an alien. But not removed from the world. Still in it. But not from it. Sanctify them by the truth. What is the truth? 
God's word is the truth. Scripture is the truth. Read it. Memorize it. Put it in your heart. Know what it says. Make your decisions accordingly. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We have a mission. We are sent ones. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. We can be absolutely sanctified. Jesus never chose wrong. He always chose right. And he says, you know what? We can be like him. We can follow his example and be that sanctified. That, I'd love to be that. Working towards it. Now, this prayer in the Bible is said over the disciples, right? That he left. And then he says, my prayer is not for them alone. Meaning the twelve. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's all of us. Right there we're included. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As us being friends, us being in unity, us following God as one body of Christ, us being us. People in Otsurim being able to point towards Josh Jen congregation and saying, that guy isn't Josh Jen. He would never have lied. How's that? Can we be those people that have credibility outside of the kingdom because of our association with God? We should be. That guy would never have said something about somebody else because he is in Josh Jen. Is Josh Jen important? No. It's a placeholder to say that we are associated with God's kingdom. And we are those people that are in God's kingdom. That make the right choices all the time. Being as sanctified as Jesus. Yeah. Are we there? No, but we're working towards it now. Let them be one, Father, just as you and me, I'm one. That is one. Can't be more one than God is one. But he's saying we can all be one like God is one. And then people will believe that Jesus is Jesus because of who we are and how we relate to one another. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one, in them and in you, in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Keeps on going about unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Guys, that's where the choice leads to. Is to unity for all of us. That's the ultimate blessing of God. Is being in Him and being in each other. One. No difference. Complete unity. Amazing, huh? It will take work. It will be that thing, friendship. Forgive quickly. 
ask forgiveness both deep friendships in God and align ourselves with what God has for us there's a big job out there and um, church is not church is not this this time and a little bit less Wednesday evenings for community. What is this? This is when we gather as saints, where we worship God, where we get together and, and, and have time and we experience something of the corporate blessing of God and the Holy Spirit among us. Definitely felt that this morning. And without this gathering, there's something that we'll never experience. So we can't not have this. But this is a time where God comes and speaks to us and he equips us to do what? To actually go out and do this, proclaim his name outside of this building. This afternoon, tomorrow, Tuesday, New Year's, how do we do it? Well, first, we make the right choices. And then if we have made the right choices, people will listen so how do we stop with this because <laughs> we can go on and deeper and deeper you know that, that's the the gospel is that it drills deeper and deeper and deeper into our lives and we can just go down any pathway today and and keep on drilling and get more truth and it's fun 